0: Any problem on Earth can be solved with the careful application of high explosives. The trick is not to be around when they go off. We are the Spy Fi guys, and this is Valkyrie.
1: Welcome back to the Spy Fi guys, where we cover spy facts, spy fiction, and everything in between. Today we are closer to the spy fact to the side of the aisle with the Tom Cruise movie, of Valkyrie, based on an incredible true story.
0: Yes, starring your favorite actor, Tom Cruise. That must feel pretty good, huh?
1: I mean, I, I, I guess, like I said before, it's a tie between him and Daniel Craig and Chris Evans. But yes, he is one of my favorite actors, and I do enjoy his movies a lot. And so <laughs> I am excited to talk about this movie.
0: Isn't this generally considered to be one of his best movies?
1: Maybe Actually, not. no. I mean, I like him in this, and, I'm not, and I also like this movie. But general opinion of this movie is not very good.
0: Well, I think it's awesome. Mostly oh, because I do too. Yeah. If, if it's, well, you know me. I like the true stuff more than Mission <laughs> Impossible, which is very clearly fictional.
1: Or so you think.
0: Or so we claim. <laughs> or so as far as anybody knows. And well, Tom Cruise ain't talking. So if you're not familiar with this movie, it is a classic from when it came out. I remember seeing trailers from when it came out in two thousand and eight and it's not too long and it's pretty I not to give away our, our uh reviews, but I think we both think it's pretty solid.
1: Yeah. So this was came out in two thousand eight, was directed by Brian Singer and it stars Tom Cruise, Bill Nye, Chris Van Houten, and a number of other like English actors as well.
0: Yeah, as I described it on our micro dot episode, which if you haven't listened to, you should. It's just a stream of white guys as far as the (laughs) eye can see. And if you have a problem telling the characters apart, you're not alone. So here is the IMDb plot summary before we jump into the movie a dramatization of the July 20th, 1944 assassination and political coup plot by desperate renegade German army army officers against Adolf Hitler during World War II. Which I think pretty well covers it. What I like about this movie is how condensed it is. It's like two locations, one week, and then that's (laughs) it
1: yeah so this movie starts off if we want to get right into it let's do it yeah so it starts off with something that you usually don't like in a movie the based on a true story
0: well here's (laughs) the thing i don't like it when it's obviously fake
2: all right all right
0: obviously fiction so I, I think we actually talked about this when we did the Red Sea Diving Resort, which is when it's a horror movie and it says based on a true story, everybody laughs. But this, I didn't mind it here because it very clearly is based on a true story. I actually okay. s- sort of the jump ahead to Spyback versus Fiction. If I okay. made it, I would have just said a true story.
2: Hmm.
1: Maybe. Well, we can jump ahead to that. Well, we can talk about more. Once we get there, because i got a few things about a spy factor, spy fiction that I want to talk about, too.
0: Sounds good. So if, after we see the base in the true story credit, we get the oath taken by German officers in the Wehrmacht that they will serve Hitler. Yep. And the significance of this is that a lot of German officers, when they considered overthrowing Hitler, refused to, claiming it was because they didn't want to break their word. Yeah which is ridiculous because millions of people are dying and that doesn't constitute a good reason. But mm-hmm. I think it was probably more a nice little excuse not to get involved and not to risk their lives.
1: Right. So movie starts with C- Colonel Stauffenberg, played by Tom Cruise, you Now, writing in his journal or his diary. And mm-hmm. it, it does a nice... Uh, well, I was, yeah, a... Nice Red October style transition from him speaking in German to him speaking English. Although it's not as neat as the one in Red October, it's not like it centers on a single word that causes a transition. Well, it just sort of overlaps.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize The Hunt for Red October was only the first movie to do that. I thought it was the only one.
1: Now a lot. Well, since then, a lot of people, you know, come to the same conclusion that okay, I can't have them. First of all, I can't have them speaking in. You know whatever language this whole time so they need to find a way to transition or they can just have them you know talk it with accents right off the bat although you know this f- film is notable for you know not having any of the having none of the non-german actors not do accents
0: yeah something they like to have germans do in movies to speak with a british accent because that makes sense this this actually ties into one of my larger pet peeves that i think i've spoken to you about which is i don't like when movie directors treat their audiences like they're dumb
1: you think this what do you mean
0: well this this is not an example of that okay i
1: I was gonna say this this of all movies definitely doesn't treat them like they're dumb
0: (laughs) But, but what i'm saying is if you have a, a movie, it's in Berlin, it's in World War II, everyone is clearly part of the German army, and you have them speaking English, I think people will understand that they actually spoke German then, but because it's an American movie for American audiences, that's why they're speaking English. Right. You know what I mean? hmm I, like, I don't think they needed to explain that, though I do think it was cool that they did. Yeah. That's all.
1: So, as we start the film, you know, Stauffenberg's already showing dissenting letters, and... Um he apparently got sent to North Africa as punishment for speaking out. Mm-hmm. And so when he's there he you know meets with him talking with another general who's there who's played by Bernard Hill who is notable for being the captain of the Titanic and also King Théoden from Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh, I didn't know that. Right, I didn't, I didn't
1: recognize him either. I think he, cuz he didn't have a beard so I'm like and that's just his trademark.
0: Yeah, he didn't have the very very distinctive Théoden beard. Absolutely. Yeah. And I haven't seen Titanic, so. What? <laughs> yeah, I think we talking about that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Everyone loved it in middle school, but I was like, it's too long. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yet you watched The Lord of the Rings.
0: Well, The Lord of the Rings is different. Come on, that was probably made for me.
1: <laughs> and Stauffenberg is, you know, tr- talking with his general and trying to reroute his troops so that they can survive, basically. And mm-hmm. while they're talking, they get attacked by a bunch of P-40s.
0: Yes, and this scene was in all the trailers because most action in the whole movie.
1: And then there's also so as you know, as the sh- you know shooting gets hit, he doesn't get hit first. You know, he just he ducks down, he gets knocked over, and there's a scene in this has been memified because it looks like Tom Cruise has like padding in his butt or something, and uh... there was a whole controversy. All right, did he wear pads? Did he not wear pads? He said he didn't wear pads. That's just actually his butt. Yeah, it's a whole thing.
0: I didn't even notice his butt.
1: Yeah. Well, I only, because I knew about this, that's what I was like, it uh, looks like there's some padding there, but it's, you know, it just could be so that when he, you know, gets thrown back from the explosion, he doesn't hurt himself.
0: I looked eh. up Tom Cruise, butt Valkyrie. Yep. Um. Yeah, it's pretty big. <laughs> And, but I mean, I maybe he just does been, a
1: lot of squats.
0: I think it might have been photoshopped, some yeah. of these that
1: I'm looking at. I yeah. can't
0: believe anything the internet
1: says. True. Anyway, so moving off anyway. of that. So he yeah. gets into a truck, and he's, you know, brings a soldier, a wounded soldier, trying to, you know, get him to safety. Mm-hmm. And the truck gets hit, it explodes. And then we cut to, uh, you know, people waiting for a plane on a runway. And you see... Kenneth Brana played who was playing Trescal, who's part of the well, we find out is part of the resistance.
0: Yes. So just one last thing. Tom Cruise gets hit and then he's lying in the sand and he definitely looks like he's dead. Yeah. Yeah. Which it's not Scream, it's not Psycho, but that would have been a twist. <laughs> so yeah, so it cuts to Trescal doing his own plot to kill Hitler. Mm. As as it is revealed.
1: Yes, he has a bomb hidden in a bottle of Cointreau, and, you know, he gives a a bomb to Colonel Brandt, who is played by uh, Tom Wilkinson, no, Tom Hollander.
0: Are we supposed to know who Tom Hollander is? Because I don't know who
1: he was. I, I only know it because there's a running joke on the Empire movie podcast that there are like four different actors named Tom Holland and then throw in Tom Hollander as well.
0: Is the Empire movie podcast about the show Empire?
1: No, it is about, it is from the people who make the uh, the film magazine Empire. So, but a lot of movies. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> but that's why I know who Tom, well, also Tom Hollander is. He's in a few other things. He's actually in one of the Mission Impossible a, uh, Rogue Nation playing the Prime Minister.
0: Okay. We'll have to yeah. watch out for him.
1: But yeah, so he, he gives a bottle to Brandt on the plane and the uh, Treskow... Well, and Hitler's on this plane, so he's trying to, you know, bomb the plane so that they can kill Hitler. Uh, right. Trescow and his assistant are waiting to hear news of the plane,
2: uh-huh. and
1: apparently, it landed, and the bomb did not go off. Right. The fun fact: uh, Trescow's assistant is actually played by uh, Stoffenberg's grandson.
0: Whoa! Yeah, that's cool. I know mm-hmm.
1: that. So yeah, yeah
0: so so, so is like the bomb didn't go off. So then he realizes that they have to take it back before they open the bottle of liquor and realize that it's not liquor inside, but a bomb. Mm -hmm.
1: And so I didn't realize that Hitler didn't drink. That is something I didn't know.
0: See, I knew that, but I didn't make the connection.
1: Yeah. But also it's like,
0: okay, maybe if he wasn't going to drink it, I'm sure he'd find somebody to take it.
1: Right, right. Yeah, so...
0: It's the thought that counts. <laughs>
1: uh, so, but, yeah, so, so, anyway,
0: so, so Treskow sends his aide on the next plane to, to, to get it back. He's like, I gave you the wrong one. I gave you, a ba- I gave you the bad one. I'm going to mm-hmm. give you the real one.
1: And when Treskow gets to Berlin, he's talking with Bill Knight, who plays uh, General Ulbricht. Mm-hmm. And Ulbricht is, like, being panicked and he's saying, you know, we've been discovered. And it's like... Again, this is one of my pet peeves, talking about things that are supposed to be confidential, just in you know, where any other people and he's sure he's whispering, but it's still anyone can hear you.
0: Dude, it's like when your life's on the line, don't whisper. Just don't say anything. Also, because if they had discovered them, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. Man. So so why even bring it up? Also in this scene, they talk about a general named Blazkowicz, which for those of you who are into your video games may recognize BJ Blaskowitz, hmm. the, the lead character in uh, Wolfenstein. Oh, hey. I assume it's related. I didn't bother to double check. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Okay.
1: So, uh when uh Trescow meets with Brandt, he's sort of he's hinting that he knows what's going on or knows something's up. Mm-hmm. But he gets the bottle, bottle back and they find uh Olbrich tells uh Treskow that, you know, one of their team, Oster, was arrested by the Gestapo and they need a replacement.
0: So what I, what I liked about the scene with Brand was that it set the stage of, as we talked about in the micro dot episode, how a totalitarian regime is not a great place to be, even if you're part of it, because everybody's constantly looking over their shoulder. Everyone's backstabbing each other. The wrong word, the wrong time can get you killed or sent to prison. So even if Brand didn't know what was going on, it set the tone that this is a place where you can't trust anybody, that there's always a conspiracy going on. Uh, especially now, especially Mm -hmm. late in the war, when there's already been a bunch of attempts on Hitler's life.
1: Right. And so next we go to Countess von Stauffenberg, who's played by Chris van Hylten, who you may recognize as Lady Melisandre from Game of Thrones. I do not
0: reckon. Uh, I'm not not too good at recognizing actors.
1: (laughs) Ah. (laughs)
0: I I have an aunt who's really good at recognizing Star Trek actors underneath alien makeup. Now that That, is impressive.
1: That's a talent, yeah. Well, Anyway, so (laughs) she goes into the hospital and she sees her husband, um, Mm -hmm. Duffenberg. So he's lost an eye, his right eye? Think about that for a second. I think
0: think his right eye, yeah. His
1: right eye, his right arm, and um, two fingers from his left arm. Or left hand, rather.
0: I think he lost his right hand.
1: Right, right hand. I don't think he
0: had an artificial arm. That's right. Um, so he's like totally messed up, and uh, he asks, "What about his family?" Right.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then, and then we have a scene where he's recovered and he's talking to Ulbricht in this church that's been like bombed out. And I, yeah, so I liked
1: how this was framed because the way he starts, it sounds like he's at confession. Mm Hmm. And so and then but he, and then they pull back to reveal he's talking with Oldbrook and you know he's being invited to the resistance. And you know when he goes he says you know if you if you're interested you know where to find us. <laughs>
2: and,
0: Which I guess he did.
1: Yeah. So he goes to the house where they're meeting and you have Terrence Stepp who's play, who plays General Beck and you have who's part of the like seemingly like the head of the resistance.
0: Yeah. The, as close to the leader as as you'd expect. Though he doesn't yeah. do that much talking.
1: Yeah, and then so partly part of the plan is also when they succeed, uh, Godler is going to be the chancellor, uh, mm. who's another yet an, an, again another in a sea of white people, but white German <laughs> names. But
0: there are just so many characters. <laughs> there, <laughs> there are I like many characters. I,
1: well, I mean, <laughs> it's accurate.
0: Well, th- see, this is sort of the main thing that when you adapt a real-life story to mm. movies and TV shows, that's the main thing that gets changed, is cutting down the number of people.
2: True, true.
0: And in this case, I think they were justified in, in doing that. I'm sure they did it at least a little bit. <laughs>
2: so, they did, yeah. <laughs> okay,
0: so Stauffenberg meets these conspirators and they're all arguing about how to kill Hitler, when to do it, how to do it, and so on.
1: Yeah, so, the you know, Um, What's his name? Goedler is sort of favoring more of a political option rather than a military coup. He wants to confront Hitler openly. And, you know, Stauffenberg realizes that the soldiers' oaths, which we, you know, mentioned at the top, will not allow them to, you know, do, do, do so. And also, you know, if you get rid of Hitler, you still have Himmler and Goebbels and the SS.
0: I mean, yeah. And it's like, how would you get rid of Hitler anyway? It's not like he'd just take it lying down. He was called a dictator for a reason. <laughs> well,
1: Yeah, so he leaves the meeting and is, is like, you know, this isn't going to work.
0: He says he'll yeah. only do it if there's a chance of success.
1: All right. So he goes and sees his family for the first time. And his mm-hmm. as his kids are playing, uh, De Valkyrie by uh, Wagner, Wagner, excuse me, mm-hmm. <laughs> plays on a record. And... You know, as as it's playing, you know this house starts to shake, and there's, they take shelter in the basement because of a bombing raid.
2: Mm-hmm. And there's this
1: really cool shot of the record player. You know, so <laughs> it, it skips when you know they get hit the first time, and it goes up and the needle goes off. And then you know when the, there's another shake, it skips back on, and you get the very dun 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 mm-hmm. dun dun. dun, 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 dun.
0: <laughs> I also noticed in this part that his kids. Stauffenberg's kids were playing at soldier.
1: Well, it seems like you know two of them were playing at like knights, and one of them was one of them was, you know, wearing his hat and giving a salute and playing at soldier. Yeah, right. But yeah, so I, that was also realizing, all right, you know, that if my ki- if I continue with this, my kids, you know, he's just thinking about the effects of this all. Either way, this will have on his kids and his family.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a pivotal moment in history, um, one way or yeah. the other.
1: And so, so I,
0: I, don't, I don't I don't think that the movie like implies that listening to the record gave him the idea for Valkyrie. Oh,
1: I think it was. Well, I, I think. No, I think the movie implies that because it's, oh, it's really? you know, it is Valkyrie. That is the music. Oh,
0: I thought it was just then, like a coincidence.
1: No. And then <laughs> you see him as he's hearing it and his eyes just sort of well, his one eye uh, <laughs> uh, just sort of lights up he's like, oh, this is it. This is what we need to do.
0: Okay. So what's the so plan, realize, Christian? Tell he us realizes the
1: that you know, the key to everything is Operation Valkyrie. Now, Operation Valkyrie is Hitler's contingency plan to contain a, to contain a civil disruption using the reserve army. Uh, so they realize that if they kill Hitler and make it look like the SS is staging a coup, they can use Operation Valkyrie to take control.
0: So just a little bit more about that. Mm-hmm. The reason why they needed the plan was they had all of these slave workers imported in from these occupied countries, people like Ukrainians, like Slavs, like Russians. And the, the, the German government moved them in to work in the factories because they wouldn't let women work in factories. Huh? So they'd rather have potential traders who would sabotage all their shit than, have, than let women do it. Ow. Hitler personally approved of the plan. And when we say the reserve army, it involves groups of soldiers who happen to be in the area which includes hmm. trainees, soldiers on leave, guards at POW camps.
1: Oh, wow. I did not yeah. know all that.
0: Yeah. So that that's what they were working with. But as they explain in the movie, it's an uh-huh. extremely risky plan because you yeah. tell the soldiers to go, but they think they're still fighting for Hitler when they aren't.
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: So they have to trick them into helping them overthrow their own government.
1: Yeah. But, and then part of the trick to this also is that they need to rewrite Operation Valkyrie so that it excludes the SS in the change of command.
0: And yeah, so they have to get Hitler to sign it and just hope that he won't notice the part about the SS, which admittedly it looks really long and he probably doesn't have time to read it, but Mm -hmm. like someone might have and might tell him.
1: So, and they also need to get General Fromm, who's played by Tom Wilkinson, uh, who's Mm. the head of the reserve army to agree to, to, make these changes and also just to go with it since you know the reserve army is crucial
0: yeah he's the head of the reserve army so if it's going to work he has to at least let them do it even if right. he isn't involved himself so they go and speak to him and they tempt him speaking in like coded language
1: which i like that that was really clever how he was how uh Stoltenberg was doing that
0: i mean that's total spy movie stuff right mm-hmm. that's exactly why we're here
1: and yeah. so they code it, or so in code, they basically offer him the role of the supreme military commander. Mm-hmm. And he says that, you know, he always comes down on the right side. And as long as the Fuhrer is alive, you know what side that is.
0: Oh, yeah. So he's saying, I might do it if you,
1: can. If you kill Hitler.
0: It's not a no, but it's yeah. not a yes. Uh-huh.
1: And so on our next, we next cut to a nightclub where. You know, you have a lot of uh, German soldiers and or German officers and women. You know, relaxing, having fun, and you have Eddie Izard. Did you recognize that as Eddie Izard?
0: I think I think I did. Yeah.
1: Okay, you, I you did, did not. I that was good luck.
0: I had also so just he, seen him in Mystery Man.
1: Ah, uh, there you. Go. So he <laughs> plays uh, Felgabel, and he's drinking. He notices something is in his drink, so he goes into the bathroom and tosses in the sink, and it's a glass eye.
0: Hey, it's like his calling card. He's like James Bond.
1: <laughs> so <laughs> Stauffenberg's in the bathroom, and he says, you know, basically says that there's no success without him, and that, you know, this is happening, and that, you know, you and we need you to do this, and Falgobel's not having you. He says, you are rats jumping from a sinking ship, and you're all traitors, and, you know, you'll be, you know, if the SS catches you, you'll all be, you know, brutal, brutally murdered
0: which of but, course is all yeah, correct yeah
1: <laughs> and it, so it seems like he wasn't really so Soburg mentioned that he t- you know came to him previously, which we didn't see
0: nope
1: um but look and it looks like he's more as you know if we go through the you know reasons that people will spy for someone or do something you know of um, you know money ide- ideology coercion and ego, this seems more like coercion <laughs>
0: uh yeah, definitely I mean he's very physical with them yeah I, I sort of felt.
1: So, at this, but at this point, we don't know what about actually does. So we're not sure what plot he's going to play in the uh, in the operation.
0: Yeah, I know. It all will be revealed.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so. So they're rewriting the op- the Valkyrie orders, and you know they want it so that it takes three hours rather than six which is what hitler planned to seize control of the government so rather than try to you know spread out all their resources across all of germany and the occupied territories they focus on berlin because everyone will take orders from berlin
0: theoretically anyway yeah
1: and so at this point we find out the tresco has been transferred to the front and now stauffenberg's in charge of the military wing of the operation
0: yeah he was, he was also, uh, I, I think around now in real life, he was made chief of staff of the reserve army.
1: Yeah. Which and this is uh, when.
0: He didn't want to do it, but it got him closer to Hitler, which, of course, is exactly. exactly what they need him.
1: And this is when uh, Ulbricht says that, you know, you play the part of a bureaucrat so well.
0: Which, of course, he was in real life. He mm. served as a logistics and administrative officer his whole career. We talked okay. about that on the micro dot episode. Check uh, yes, it out right. if you haven't listened to it. <laughs>
1: So at this point, Stauffenberg also gets a new assistant, uh, Haeften, And, you know, he's basically openly says, he's recruiting him and says, you know, you know how this war will be will end? And he's pointing to a p- portrait of Hitler. Mm-hmm. The portrait will be hung, and the man will be hung.
0: Which is pretty gutsy. Not that he said it, but that he said it to this guy that we as an audience don't know, maybe in real life, he knew him and knew that he wouldn't just immediately turn to in, turn him in. If he started talking about treason in front of them.
1: Well, Albrecht did say he comes highly recommended. So it's like, okay, that means he, you know, he's in, the, uh, he will be loyal to you and loyal to this cause. Okay. But he also said, you know, yeah, he l- l- literally says, you know, I'm engaged in high treason with all means available to me. Can I count you in?
0: Hell yeah, Stauffenberg.
1: <laughs> Count me in. So, to, so they've got rewritten Valkyrie, but now they need Hitler's signature for the updated Valkyrie plan. Mm-hmm. So uh, so Stauffenberg goes at, to see Hitler in his office, um, and he's there to report on using the reserve army to assist with repelling the invasion. Which invasion, you ask? Oh, just a little thing called Normandy. Yup.
0: Yep which goes to show the st- it shows it establishes where we are in history and also the stakes that Germany is losing and that the days of Hitler's regime are numbered. So well
1: except at this of, point I think no they they're still in disbelief about Normandy.
0: Well the characters that's, may not know that but the audience does.
1: Oh uh, that's true. Yeah so no the character Well, the character yeah the characters I mean there's even I don't even I don't remember which um official Hitler says you know oh it's well in hand um
0: yeah well they would say that wouldn't they yeah
1: but it's also you know and uh, this is something we could talk about another episode if i don't think there's any movie that actually covers you know the immense uh tactic that the allies used to sort of fool everyone that the invasion was not coming at normandy but somewhere else and it took them a long time for them actually realize it was coming in normandy
0: um i'm sure we'll come up with something
1: yeah. Anyways.
0: Okay, so they go to get Hitler's signature, and what I have from this scene is there's a part. So first of all, Göring is there. Mm-hmm. And Göring is Göring was the head of the Luftwaffe. Ah,
1: oh, cool. And because
0: I I knew I recognized his name.
1: Right. I've heard the name. I just I didn't off the top of my head know. Okay, what was he in the Nazi? You know, high command.
0: Yeah, and I think Goebbels was there too. He's like the kind of wormy-looking guy.
1: Yeah, Goebbels, Goebbels was the uh, minister of propaganda, basically.
0: Yeah, so at one point, somebody says to Fromm, oh, can you have fresh tea brought in?
1: Yeah, so he's really belittled by, you know, the high command and inner circle, and that's seemingly why he's going along with this plan, despite, you know, well, he doesn't want to know what the plan is, but it's like, but if, you know, if Goering was to find himself without a seat, I would be most pleased, or something like that.
0: Well, I mean, he's a good example of what they call a disgruntled underling. It's a really good way to get betrayed or spied on.
1: Yes. So next we have, if this was a James Bond movie, this would be the Q scene. And appropriately enough, the person giving the briefings name starts with the letter Q as well. Mm -hmm. So this is uh, Quirnheim who's giving the briefing. And this is where the quote that that, uh, started our episode came from. Um, good job so,
0: with all these German names, by the way. Oh,
1: thank you. Yeah, I How wrote do them down the I'm just actors. like, <laughs> well, some of these like with the actors we know, we can do that, but the actors like I've never seen before, I'm gonna have no idea who that So I'm just, I'd be just saying, oh, you know that guy, and it, mm-hmm. so try to write them down and make it make sure we know what we're talking talking about. Well, so, well that's
0: good. You see him as a character first.
1: Yeah. So. They, they're going to be using plastic explosives, um, and they use British time pencils as the detonator for the explosives. Should be about 30 minutes, but with the heat in the wolf's lair, would be more like 10 to 15.
0: Not much time.
1: No. And so, you know, someone, I think it's Beck who asks, you know, is, that's not very says that it's, or It's either Beck or Ulbricht who says it's not very precise, and, you know, Kernheim's like, you can have small or precise, but not both.
0: Hey, that's the that's the nature of the spy, of spy work. Yeah, of course, James Bond is always precise. <laughs> that's the difference between real life and uh, fiction. Also, Fair I enough. think in this scene, somebody says, "Don't proceed unless you can get Himmler too."
1: Exactly.
0: Himmler was the leader of the SS, and <laughs> definitely someone who would have taken Hitler's place if Hitler had been killed. So
1: yeah, like, they they even say you know, what, at one point they say you know. Why kill kill a dictator when a maniac will replace them?
0: Well, I mean, you could say Hitler is a maniac too. Yeah, it's true. The, um, also somebody says, "quote It's a military operation. Nothing mm-hmm. ever goes according to plan."
1: That's <laughs> a good quote. That's Beck who says that. And, Speaking of
0: good quotes, here's another one I like from Eisenhower by Eisenhower, which is a similar one that I remember, which is, uh, "No plan survives, survives contact survives with, with the, enemy. the
1: enemy." Yep, that's a good, that's a good one. It's very that's, true. Yeah. <laughs> so we jump to Stauffenberg who's seeing his family and seemingly he's told his wife about the plot and they agree that, you know, she'll take the children away to Bamberg. And -hmm. at this point they hint strongly that Nina's pregnant. Right. And that child, so that child, uh, is actually the mother of the actor who plays Treskow's assistant. Nice. Yeah. So, and then we go to, uh, What you said, fifteen,
0: July fifteenth. Yes, where they fail a failed or not failed a canceled attempt.
1: Yes. So there's a meeting scheduled for that day, and they're going to attempt to plan uh, attempt the plan then. And everyone in the operation gets a nifty card that allows them in and out of Berlin while Operation Valkyrie is in effect.
0: Mm -hmm. And they they give it to all the members of the conspiracy Mm -hmm. so that they can move around while everyone who's on the conspiracy will be stopped by the soldiers.
1: Yeah. So Ulbrick sends out the standby order for the reserve army and Remmer, who's one of the commanders of the reserve army. I think at this point he gets it while he's swimming and, you know, he gets the order. And he's like, I hope this is not a drill.
0: I love that guy. That guy is hilarious. He's like, yes. he's like so put upon.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he is. Um, so if you, you um, don't remember the actor's name off the top of my head, but he does play a role in Age of Ultron. He is... Oof, what's the...
0: It's going to be a deep cut if it's Age of Ultron, and he's not one yeah. of the Avengers.
1: Yeah, well, he's um the Hydra leader who they're fighting in the beginning, who's actually a famous leader from the comics, and I'm not remembering what his name is off the top of my head. It's
0: probably, it's probably like Baron Frischoffer Mermer. <laughs> I hope this guy doesn't typecast as Nazis, though, between this one and Age of Ultron.
1: yeah, He kind of was, because he also played uh, a role in... What's that... Um, movie about Hitler that that all that meme comes from, whether the oh. shit would.
0: Oh, uh, downfall! That's a great. Yeah, he's movie.
1: in downfall as well. Yeah, so. so
0: there you go. But yeah, <laughs> he's, he's <done> hilarious. <laughs> he's like, oh, you. What do you mean I have to stop swimming and actually like do my job in <laughs> this like swimming pool that has a swastika on the bottom?
1: Yeah. <laughs> can you imagine
0: to so... build that for the movie?
1: Well, that's one of the things I read about this movie and also heard about is that you know. They had to put up... Because in Germany, you really can't... And A lot of this movie was filmed in Germany. You can't Mm. openly display the swastika anywhere. And I mean, really, that's fair. But they had to put up all these notices saying, you know, they were doing filming for a movie. Don't call
0: the police.
1: Yes. But, of course, someone still did.
0: Oh, man. So so they mobilized the army. They think it's a drill. But now they have to get into the wolf's lair past all of these guards.
1: Yeah. So Stauffenberg arrives in the wolf's lair, he puts his glass eye in for the meeting, and his bag is placed under the table. Yes. And then Hitler arrives, but Himmler's not there. So Stauffenberg goes to uh goes to the phone, he calls Albert, Albert, and Beck and says mm-hmm. that he wants to proceed. And you know, Beck and the council say no. But uh, uh Kornheim uh, says, you know, you you go for it anyways.
2: <laughs>
1: but yeah, during this crazy. time, Mm-hmm. Uh, Hitler has already left the meeting and it's over, and so Stauffenberg is you know looking for his bag and it's and you know his assistants like or I don't know where it was like I don't know where it is but someone else grabbed it for him thinking they were being nice since you know he's missing a hand and some fingers so I'm gonna help him out mm-hmm. and it's at this point you know the reserve army is told to stand down that it was just a drill and Rammer's is pissed.
0: <laughs> well, actually, one last thing about the scene in the the oh, yeah. wolf's is that felt Bell? bill felkey bell yes we see him we, we see what his job is which is he's in charge, charge of communications at the wolf's lair exactly and when the bomb goes off his job is to cut all of the communications mm-hmm. and like i don't know what he told his guys but okay
1: yeah Is yes. they abort the attempt because you know hitler left quickly and there wasn't really any chance to do anything
0: mm-hmm. and by the way this scene shows why it's so important to have command and control in military operations, which is when you spend time bickering about what to do and not knowing what to do and talking to people and getting permission from the higher ups, your opportunity sometimes is gone. And this is one Mm -hmm. example of that. So they go back and see from he's really mad.
1: So he's pissed that they activated the reserve army without his knowledge.
0: And it's not just pissed. He's probably scared that Mm -hmm. if they found out about it he could have been in deep deep trouble
1: yep and you know they could have implicated him but just by omission really
0: yes so if they do it again if they mobilize the army again one way or the other it's gonna have to be full Mm -hmm. full speed ahead so then we get the scene where they're walking out the door and Fromm says to tom cruise (laughs) i'll hear you say it referring Mm -hmm. to the heil hitler Yep. Which he does, but with his missing hand. Yep. Quite the visual.
1: It was a very dramatic scene. like And I, that's one of the things I appreciated is, you know, they didn't linger on the fact, you know, you you, would, you show that, you know, you wouldn't see his hand, but then, you know, but they never really lingered on it grotesquely, but then you use it for great effect in that one scene.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, yeah, you might almost forget that he's missing a hand by, by this point. Yeah.
1: So there's a meeting of the resistance, and we find out that Gordler has a a warrant for his arrest by the SS and Stauffenberg is given, you know, full discretion now. Which mm-hmm. is it's really convenient because at this point Gordler was like arguing that you know you and your henchmen tried to do it anyways, even though we didn't, you know, we said no. So <laughs> it's convenient for Stauffenberg, but also not but not great for Gordler.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I guess as long as they keep it moving and stop yeah. the uh, aforementioned bickering and inability to make a decision.
1: Yeah. So Stauffenberg gets a call from his wife, but then it's disconnected by a bombing in someplace between the cities. It's a connection place. And he's told, you know, this place is very far from Bamberg, so I'm sure your family is okay.
0: You never know, though. It's not, it's not like in the, they had cell phones back then where you could just pick up the phone and get through. Well, actually, he does try to get through later, but
1: we'll yeah. get there. So, and then we jump to the 20th of July.
0: Day of Days.
1: Mm hmm. And you see Stauffenberg shaving, and you see, and this is, again, like talking about using things for dramatic effect. This mm-hmm. is the only time you really see his sort of empty eye socket.
0: Yeah. That was great, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, also, um, when she, it's like a thing, I hate this in movies. No? Whenever we show a character shaving, they're going to cut themselves because, like, why else would they do it?
1: Yeah. Well, no skyfall james bond is getting shaved and does not cut himself
0: why was he shaving
1: um i don't really know it wasn't it was just <laughs> i was to show sort of well we'll talk about that when we talk about skyfall but it was not it was to show sort of uh rebirth in a way
0: yeah that's one of two reasons why you have a <laughs> character shave is they're either shaving off all their hair to become reborn or they're going to cut themselves. And oh, it's so cringy to look at.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But this time it's, it is intentional. He's intentionally cutting himself. That makes it
0: even worse.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So that, you know, when he, you know, he nicks himself and causes a small blood stain so that it's, which gets on his uniform. Mm -hmm. And so Stauffenberg and his assistant arrive at the wolf slayer. And he asks the major that greets him for a place to change his shirt, shows him that, you know, yeah, I I cut myself, so can I change?
0: Good thing you had another shirt. Yeah. People always travel around with extra shirts. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) So Ulbricht and Kronheim are in Berlin, and, you know, they haven't put the reserve army on standby yet because they're, you know, afraid of pissing off. Well, Ulbricht is afraid of pissing off Fromm again.
0: Yeah, which makes sense.
1: And this is one of the things It's like, all right, if he had acted sooner... They could have gotten th- gotten away with it.
0: Yes, but we'll 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 get there. We'll get yeah. there. Okay, so in the bathroom, he says Tom Cruise Stoffenberg says, I need to change my shirt, but actually they're prepping the case to explode. So him and his assistant from before, his trusty sidekick, are working on it.
1: And they also find out that the meeting has been moved up to 12:30. Apparently Mussolini is arriving and Hitler's having lunch with him. And so Stoffenberg's like Will Mussolini be attending the briefing too? He's like, "Well, if we can get Mussolini as well, what? That'd be so great." Yeah, <laughs> but he's like, d- "No, d- d- he will or not <laughs>
0: It also says that they moved from the bunker to this like room that actually has windows.
1: Yeah, so they moved from the bunker to the uh, conference hut because it's too hot to have it in the uh, bunker. Yeah, and so as the, as Stauffenberg's changing, his assistants, you know, sort of helping him. But this the major who greeted them in the beginning is like saying, you know, they're starting the briefing and and like even opens a door while you know while they're trying to prep everything. And so they really only have time to arm the one bomb before the major comes in.
0: Yeah. And isn't the guy interrupting them Brandt from before? No, it's not. He is in this part though.
1: He is. Yeah. So the Major escorts Stauffenberg to the conference hut and mm-hmm. he puts his briefcase under the table and he moves uh, he sort of moves it so it's on w- the other side, on the side of the table, like, closer yeah. to Hitler. Mm-hmm. And right next to him is Brandt from the beginning.
0: Yes, and Hitler gives Stauffenberg a look because, of mm-hmm. course, he's met him before.
1: Right. And so Stauffenberg gets the f- phone call from him, uh, for him that, you know, he had mentioned to the major saying, you know, I'm expecting an important phone call. You know, get me even if I'm with the Fuhrer.
0: This is like when you're on a date and you have one of your friends call you so that you have a reason to leave if it's not going well. I mean, I've never done that.
1: I've also but, never done that, but, but I've people heard of do.
0: Yes, it's a really good idea. All right, anyway. So, so he right. leaves and then his briefcase gets knocked over at one point.
1: Yeah, so not, not just knocked over. It's knocked over because Hitler's mad. And I couldn't help but thinking about that—that that, uh, you know the th- the thing that we're which has been memified of you know Hitler shouting and pounding on the table.
0: Well, you know, memes have their origin in real life. I bet he did it yeah. all the time.
1: So it's so it gets knocked over because he's pounding on the table because he hears something that's upsetting him, and what when he gets knocked over, Brandt, you know, picks it up and stands it up, but puts it on the opposite side of that table leg away from Hitler.
0: Yep. And that probably is what saved Hitler's life. Mm-hmm. Or maybe. Well,
1: Who's, who, who, one who of two, one of a few things. I mean, also moving it to the conference hut definitely saved him.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that's true. I think they even say that at one point, that a bomb of any size in the bunker would have killed everybody inside. Exactly. So, so, Tom, so Tom gets out of there, leaving his hat and his gun behind.
1: Yes, and his belt.
0: Well, yeah, his belt with his gun. He's uh, out of there. Hurry up.
1: Saffenberg, you know, is as he's making his way to the car, the bomb explodes, and Stauffenberg drives away and tells the driver, you know, I have orders from the Fuhrer, go. Why do
0: you put my sunglasses Are on you. as we drive away from that explosion? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, so Felgebel, who uh, calls Ulbricht, tells him that, you know, that the Fuhrer is dead, and then Felderbel severs all the lines of communication. Basically, like he was prob- supposed
0: to, mm-hmm. but then Ulbricht says he can't be sure of what he said, so he doesn't do anything. And in fact, he goes to lunch, <sighs> which is absurd, of course.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so so Stauffenberg's on his way out, but then he gets stopped by a gate, and the soldiers yeah. guarding the gate, more importantly.
1: So way. he bluffs his way to get through, which I like. I thought that was really cool. As he you know, c- goes and calls, um, who does he call?
0: He claims that he called, like, the garrison commander or something yeah. like that, but he didn't actually call anybody.
1: Because he knew that if Felgebel did his job, all the lines of communication would be cut.
0: hmm And it's the classic spy movie thing where it's like, oh, gee, I bet the Fuhrer wouldn't be too happy to know that you're holding me up here. hmm <laughs> <laughs> Gee, another problem with an authoritarian regime, which is that everybody is afraid of... <laughs> stepping on the wrong <laughs> so they'll just do whatever you say to avoid causing a problem. So he... It actually works, and he escapes. And then yeah. meanwhile... Oh, gosh. What's his name? Help me out. The bald guy with the glasses.
1: <laughs> it's Kernheim.
0: Kernheim? Yes. Okay. He goes behind Ulrich's back and gives the order to uh, activate the plan.
1: Yeah. And so while they're doing... So while this is happening... Uh, they're dr- still so driving in the car. Um, Stauffenberg and Hoften are driving to the car, to the plane, in the car, and Hoften, Hoften mm-hmm. rather carelessly throws the extra explosives of the pliers out of the car. I mean, yes, you need to get rid of it, but the driver sees it happening. <laughs> I'm like, come on, you couldn't be a little more, you know, discreet about that.
0: Well, I mean, what else was he going to do with that?
1: I don't know. I mean, maybe just drop it casually or not when not when you know the guy's staring right at him.
0: Yeah, at least have Tom Cruise like talk to the driver to distract him or
1: something. Something. I don't know.
2: Yeah,
0: you know, or you could like lean off the side of the car and like slowly drop it. But then it would be in the middle of the road. I don't know.
1: Right.
2: I don't
0: know. The Monday morning quarterbacking here
2: 7 <laughs> years later.
1: Right. So, but the order g- gets put through to mobilize the reserve army and Rammer, this time he's getting a haircut when he gets the order he is not pleased but he's it's like, hilarious he's the best uh, character <laughs> all right he, he's Assembled so put up on he's in the reserve <laughs>
0: army it's not like he actually is doing any fighting but he like right, that's
1: why he has time to go swimming and get his you know haircut and a shave
0: it's like dude your buddies are dying in russia by the thousands every day the least you can do is go stand in an open lot every now and then
1: so Stauffenberg and Hayfler uh, arrive back in Berlin, but there's no one there to greet them. So they're wondering, what's going on? They call Ulbricht. And at this point, Ulbricht, you know, finds out that uh, Kernheim went behind his back and put out the order. And so he's pissed. And then they get the call. And, and now Stauffenberg's pissed. He's like, you didn't do anything? What have you been doing for three hours?
0: Nothing, of course, is the answer. Yeah. Meanwhile, their driver rats them out hmm the driver from the wolf's lair it's like they couldn't find somebody to trust
1: no well i, I mean know. it's the Wolf Slayer, so how how could they other than having i mean having one man on the inside was hard enough and that was by coercion i so suppose I, how, I
0: suppose that's a good point
1: yeah so at this point so the, you know they finally tells,
0: activate the plot they finally yeah. get started three hours later
1: yeah so it tells olbrick that you, you need to initiate a valkyrie now you do it in from's name and if Fromm's not with us, arrest him.
0: Which, of course, they do. And I think they use it. I think Stallenberg uses a PPK.
1: Yes, so he does. So, Which is same as being James Bond's gun. But before he gets arrested, Fromm actually, you know, he meets with Ulbricht and Kernheim and calls the Wolf Slayer. Mm-hmm. And he actually gets through. So I'm wondering, how the heck did he get through? What did, At what, what point did uh, with Felgebel, you know, stop doing his job, basically?
0: It's a good question, and it's probably on the cutting room floor somewhere. But yeah. it, the thing is, if like Göring or something like walked into That's
2: true yeah. place, it
0: was like, "Yo, turn the phones back on." Like, what's he gonna do? Of course, he's gonna do it.
1: He's gonna do it. Yeah. Um. And so he actually gets, gets through to Field Marshal Keitel, and who says that Hitler's still alive. And you know, this is yeah. So this is when the uh, the driver rats them out and says, and you see him looking, you know. That saying that, you know, where's your man Stauffenberg? We'd like to talk to him in a yeah, ominous uh... tone. <laughs> and at this point, you know, Stauffenberg is comes into Fromm's office like, no, Hitler's dead. I saw the explosion. Operation yeah. Valkyrie is in effect.
0: Yeah. I mean you saw an explosion. Also the um the, the Berlin police join at this point and a very unnecessary scene I felt.
1: Eh, I mean, it sort of helped just to, so you realize how this could have happened. So from, you know, uh, as we said, is arrested and the war ministry is sealed off. And General Beck shows up at the office and he's not in his uniform because they want, you know, he says that this should be seen as a, a revolution of the people.
0: <laughs> Which, of course, is, is pretty far from that. But also more to the uh, point is he was going to be a political leader uh-huh, in the exactly. new regime, not a military leader. There were other people that were going to do that.
1: Yeah, hmm. and so and then you have this, which I thought was a very moving scene of the whole resistance, you know, in that in the War Ministry. And I, you know, uh, I think it's Kernheim or or Ulbricht like takes out his card first and shows, and they all take out their cards to show that they're they're with him.
0: I know it's so great, but also so corny at the same time. But that's what makes uh, it
1: great. <laughs> yeah, so you know, uh, Stoffenberg gives them their orders. He wants confirmation that they have control of the government quarter and that SS command is cleared out. And he makes this, you know, great speech that says, you know, I want to make sure that Hitler's Germany has seen its last sunrise.
0: Yeah. And then I love this part. All like the the all the SS guys getting arrested was pretty satisfying to watch, oh, yeah. and also the part where the camera's, like, low, and it shows all the German soldiers, like, running towards the building with all of the swastikas mm-hmm. That's on it. I thought that was, like, me, yeah. bad... I thought that was, like, badass, and it's kind of... It's also kind of weird seeing German soldiers doing something cool. <laughs> Usually they're <laughs> ones true. having something cool being done to them. Yeah. And then, so... It all, it all goes, it all goes, but then there's contradictory orders.
1: Yeah, so in the communications office, you see, apparently, they've got two orders. One from Stauffenberg to arrest Goebbels, and one from the Wolf Lair to arrest Stauffenberg. And, mm-hmm. you know, the the lower ranking office is like, which one do we send through? was like, send them both through. Ours is, you know, we're here to send... And communicate orders no matter the content. We're not here to censure things.
0: In other words, it's not our problem.
1: Exactly. Which, is Which so works true. out for the Stauffenberg. If they hadn't done that, this thing would have failed immediately.
0: Well, it works out for Stauffenberg, but it doesn't work, work out so well for them, but we'll get to that later. Yeah. So, so eventually, all the orders are going around, and it finally breaks when Hitler speaks to the major on the phone, Major Remmer. When he's going to arrest Goebbels?
1: Yes, yeah, I, so I thought this was cool because so you see, Go- when you see Goebbels at first, he's, mm-hmm. he puts a cyanide capsule in his mouth, so he was this close to being like we could have been rid of Goebbels.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would have been pretty hilariously ironic death.
1: All
0: right. Well, he knew that if it really, if the regime really was going down, he'd be first in the gallows. Well, maybe this not first. True. Wow, but pretty, pretty high, pretty, pretty high close up, up there. there. So he yes. knows which side of the bread is his bread is buttered on or however it goes.
1: Yeah, so Remmer gets you know the phone call or gets handed the phone and Hitler's on there and says that, you know, I want you to take these traitors in alive. Dead
2: or and alive, then, but preferably well, alive.
1: Yeah alive he says flat out says no I want them alive
0: bring me the passengers I want them alive
1: exactly. I also thought of that and, and then also um,
0: in that scene Rummer says to a subordinate we are the coup you idiot which is like yeah, why are you taking out on him
1: because because he does not like being played
0: yeah well maybe he should spend a little less time swimming and a little more time paying attention.
1: Yeah, and then also at the end of the scene, you see Gobos take the cyanide out of his mouth. I'm uh, just like <laughs> ah, we were just so he, close to just being rid of him.
0: He was like ready to go. Uh, <laughs> he like one foot in the grave. So, okay, so Major Ram trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, Where is Gen and then he meets someone who says, Where is General from? And the guy who says that looks a lot like Winston Churchill from this one episode of Doctor Who, season five. It but could I, very
2: well
1: I, be.
0: I didn't and bother to th- look th- it up though
1: i mean yeah actually um <laughs> keep talking i'll look it up all right. so at, at this point also the communications office you know decides that they're going to stop transmissions from stuff and we're going to only send them from the wolf slayer so they realize all right there's a coup happening we need to make sure we're on the right side of this
0: yeah well, and as a result the, yeah the wolf slayer is what you want to do because you're because they're loyal to hitler and, and at uh, this
1: point you know the resistance starts yeah. losing districts as they are stopped are you know not able to communicate with them
0: <laughs> so it's like things are falling apart basically. yeah oh yeah yeah okay so churchill from doctor who is named ian mcneese okay and his character in valkyrie is pompous general
1: wait right, so yeah. he doesn't even have a name he's just pompous general
0: i mean unless his name is pompous general which i, I don't
1: doubt. think yeah but yeah so he's like refusing to comply he's shouting the fear is not dead the fear is not dead and at this point Fromm's assistant who mm-hmm. is like a poster child <laughs> <laughs> nazi of like soldier. the
0: Arya nazi <laughs> yeah
1: so he's like he sees uh, the pompous general being taken away and sees where he's being, where Fromm is being held. And you see Fromm just give this little wave.
0: Mm. Yeah, From Fromm's been put in a closet with the other loyalists, mm-hmm. but yeah. he's got his spy inside the aforementioned young guy.
1: And so the reserve army gets the order to stand down. And there's that radio broadcast announces that Hitler is still alive. And Stauffenberg is sort of in disbelief. And I, at this moment, I think it wasn't until this moment that I realized that it wasn't that Stauffenberg was just going through with the plan no matter what. He really thought that Hitler was dead.
0: But, like, I don't understand why he would be so adamantly sure. I mean, yeah. Because his, he the delivered the off.
1: bomb, the bomb went off. And also, what I mean, the SS would do that. They would, if even if Hitler was dead, they would say that he's still alive. They'd give out propaganda, as like Goebbels would do that.
0: Well, that's a good point. Also, I think the problem is Dovenberg hasn't read as many comic books as we have.
1: <laughs> this is true. But <laughs> so yeah, he doesn't no, was, know
0: the no body, no death rule.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I guess it didn't click to me until I saw it this time. Where it was, no, he's like adamant. Like, no, he's dead. He's There's no way that he's still alive. And was, yeah. um, so which that I thought was really sucked. interesting. Yeah.
0: must have been a real bad feeling to be like, put it all out there and you failed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And so at this point, Albrecht, you know, leaves, and others start leaving. Uh, he's trying to get. Uh, well, Stoffenberg's trying to get through. One point,
0: like I'm sorry.
1: Stoffenberg's trying to get through to his family, and you know, the secretary like, our lines have been cut, and she's and he's like, all right, no, go, you need to get out of here too, and mm-hmm. he does this really cool thing. So he gets, he opens the drawer, gets out his PPK. And he uses the edge of the desk to cock it since he doesn't have another hand to cock it with.
0: I thought that was kick-ass, too. That
1: was really cool. And that was in the trailer. I was like, oh, that's such a cool shot. <laughs> Apparently, the, that wasn't in the script. Tom Cruise just figured out how to do that.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. So they're they're running, and there's a brief gunfight in the hallway.
1: Yeah, so they're that trying to get General Beck too. out of there. And mm-hmm. Ulbricht gets arrested. They come for Ulbricht first, and he gets Arrested. He leaves, you know, a letter for his family, and then Fromm's assistant sees them as they're moving back, and mm-hmm. Kernheim takes back. Yeah, they have that gunfight, and Stahleberg gets hit in his good arm.
0: Yep, his shooting arm.
1: Yeah, and they all get arrested, and yes. Fromm's released, mm-hmm. and he institutes a, a court martial at that moment. You know. With him in charge since the Fuhrer is not present, and they say mm-hmm. that, and he says, you know, Beck's under arrest and everyone else is condemned to death, just and
0: like all assholes from his douchey in victory,
1: and uh, well, so he's also doing this to cover up that his his involvement or lack there, you know, or if not his involvement, his you know, sort of complicity, complicity, yes, thank you, yeah, and Absolutely. Beck exactly for, uh,
0: what's going on.
1: asks for a. Pistol for personal reasons,
2: Mm.
1: which I thought was all right. You know, so I, when I thought I was like thought about that, I was it made sense because he's he's trying to show solidarity with the man because he's like, all right, I'm not gonna leave you. Well, you know, first they're not gonna get anything out of me, and also I'm not gonna leave you all to be executed, and I will live.
0: Wouldn't it be funny though if he's like I have a pistol for personal reasons and, he and then
1: shoots from? <laughs> uh... But I, I
0: guess you know, like we said, these, these German officers have their honor, and they're not going to do that. As yeah, as great so... and poetic as that would have been, so but in reality, of course, Beck shoots himself.
1: Mm-hmm. And then Remmer tells From that you know he has orders to bring in the conspirators alive, and From just sort of dismisses him, saying. That's all, Major, or whichever rank he was.
0: <laughs> yeah, that'll be all. So we, we get a little bit of a fast-forward. We see, yeah. at this point, uh, someone who I didn't recognize on trial.
1: Yeah, so he's someone who I he was probably... Uh, I didn't recognize him either. I think he's someone who was probably in some of the earlier meetings, but he didn't really have a real prominent part. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have him, and he gets executed. And as And then you also have this cut between... When everyone who was, you know, at the war ministry is being executed, mm-hmm. and you have know, Fromm sort of watching them, uh, from, you know, from a high up perch as they're all being executed, and you know, right before Ulbricht gets executed, you know, Stauffenberg tells him, "Look, look them in the eye, make them remember." Yeah. And he also- takes...
0: Also, in this part, we get, like, an animal house-style thing where we get to see what happens to every character.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> by that, you mean when, when they it says they were executed.
0: Yeah, basically. I yeah, mean, so for, like, all of their stories end the same way. It just depends yeah. on when.
1: Treskow <laughs> takes a grenade under his chin and, you know, lets it go off.
0: To kill himself, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, you have, you know, Kroenheim, who shot, and Felgebel was executed later Gordler was hung, and then before Stuff but so Stoffenberg gets you know called up to be sh- to sh- to be executed, and Haften steps in front of him, like in front of him, and then and you know just as, as a sh- final show of loyalty to him.
0: Yeah, that was crazy.
1: Yeah, and gets hit, and then as and then yeah, so after, when Stauffenberg's going to be shot, he shouts, "Long live Sacred Germany!"
0: Except they like kind of cut him off at the end, which yeah. made it even
1: worse. And then it's not until after he gets shot that I realized that the person who was, you know, announcing, you know, to the soldiers to when to shoot was Fromm's assistant.
0: Ooh, the spy from before?
1: Yeah. Mm. And then, like you were saying, they get the little thing about, you know, saying, you know, when everyone is executed. And then you see, and it zooms up to Fromm, and then it says his name. It's like, oh, he got executed too. <laughs> and apparently he was executed for failing to act against the uh, conspirators.
0: Yeah. I guess his little plan didn't work.
1: Yeah. And so the movie ends with, you know, some words before the credits saying this was the last of 15 attempts to kill Hitler. 15 known attempts. Known attempts, excuse me. And that Nina survived the war and, you know, only passed recently in like 2006.
0: And then they became a footnote of history. Yeah. Most, I mean most most fixed from what I can tell most history books don't even cover the fact that there was a time when Nazi Germany thought that Hitler was dead for like mm-hmm. a day. <clears> yeah. Oh also one thing we've read to mention is that they have a little bit about the plot actually working in places like Paris. oh that
1: really? was
0: in, yeah, that was in the movie. it wasn't it was, in a oh yeah that's right
1: eye. that's yeah they briefly mentioned Paris, Prague and I think Vienna mm-hmm. places where it might have exi- uh, might have worked briefly. Yeah, but yes, uh,
0: that, that, that was the movie.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, you wanna go, let's.
0: So uh, it's now time for spy fact versus fiction. I, in order to prep for this, I read a book called Countdown to Valkyrie, the July plot to assassinate Hitler by Nigel Jones, published by Frontline Books in London. And I provided a little bit more information in our microdot episode. If you haven't listened to that, check it out. But here I have quite a lot. So, all right, here we go. go. Get get yourself comfortable. I actually think, on the whole, this movie Valkyrie was pretty close to the truth. More so than I think probably most of the others that we've covered so far, including Fleming.
1: Hmm. Oh, yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) So, but that being said, there were a couple of things that were different or just some additional information. So, Uh at the beginning, Stauffenberg says he was sent to Tunisia because he criticized Hitler. Mm-hmm. so although he was a very prominent critic of Hitler even while he was even before he was sent to North Africa he uh, he kept telling his superior to stop Hitler from fighting the Soviets while there was still an army left to fight with mm-hmm. and even to the point where Soutenberg was threatened with being arrested but he didn't care he told his friend at one point quote, these guys have their pants full of shit and their skulls full of straw they don't want to do anything <laughs> he also yeah. said that Hitler is the archenemy of Germany
1: Wow, but, I mean, not wrong
0: Yeah, but despite all this According to Nigel, there's no evidence he was sent to Tunisia Because he criticized Hitler
1: So fact, what I have heard is okay. and, and this is from a a pod, another podcast And also I think the director's commentary mm-hmm. uh, Which also had not just um, the director But also the writer Christopher McQuarrie And mm-hmm. Tom Cruise on it uh, where it said he stated that, so he wasn't actually sent to for that, but he was told by his uncle. So if you remember in the beginning, you know, when he meets Beck for the first time, he's you know Beck says, "How's your uncle?" and he he sends his regards. So Beck, uh-huh. uh, so his uncle Stauffenberg's uncle is an inf- influential guy, and told Stauffenberg, you, you know, you need to, you need to go to North Africa. You need to get you know, get away from Germany because they will come and arrest you.
0: Well, that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, according to Nigel, his he was moved to Tunisia was part of like a promotion process because he was actually doing such a good job. Huh, and he's just operations officer of the general staff. Uh, so his wounds in North Africa. In the movie, he's like sitting in the car, and then it blows up. Right. So, according. In real life, however, he got shot in the eye while his hands were up to protect his face.
2: Oh, and geez! So the
0: bullet, like, went through his right hand, causing it to be, like, crippled. It had to be amputated. Uh, and the fingers and his eye.
1: Yeesh. Yeah. Well, that makes sense.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see why they didn't need to go through all the gory details in the movie. Yeah. Isn't the movie rated PG-13?
1: I believe so. Let yeah. me double check.
0: So... Okay, so meanwhile, the the woman secretary was named Marguerite von Oven, like mm-hmm. the appliance. She worked for the War Ministry. That's all. Mm-hmm. That's all I have on her. All so right. Then, a little bit of a mistake on the eleventh of July. There was the plot that they called off because Goring and Himmler wouldn't be there. Right. Doffenberg says, "Good God, shouldn't we go ahead anyway?" But they decided not to. And then July fifteenth was when they re- mobilized the Reserve Army and got in trouble. So. Mm-hmm the movie sort of combined those two attempts into one. Right.
1: So they also move the location of the, uh, of that failed at first attempt
2: mm-hmm.
1: because in real life, it was actually the briefcase bomb would take taken, would have taken place at a uh, garden mm-hmm. rather than the wolf slayer. But the, the filmmakers decided to change that so that, you know, they had that geog- familiarity and geography of the wolf's lair, so they knew what the setup was already.
0: Nice. So a total of three false alarms took place before the final attempt. Oh, I forgot to mention Operation Spark. So Operation Spark was Treskow's attempt by blowing up the plane in the beginning.
1: Oh, uh, okay.
0: So it pretty much went down the way the movie described it. Mm-hmm. The reason they built their bomb out of explosives at the RAF, the British Royal Air Force had been dropping all over Europe to help resistance movements can't imagine why dropping explosives all over enemy territory would be considered a bad idea, but whatever <laughs> they didn't ask me so that's what they used and the Nigel according to Nigel historians think the reason why it failed was because they didn't test the bomb in like extreme cold
1: conditions. Ah, uh, that makes sense I was gonna say I thought it was gonna be something about L-
0: uh, so Stauffenberg changes his shirt because it was sweaty, not because of the aforementioned uh, cut,
1: uh, not, b- not because of
0: the shaving cut. Okay. If if they had got the extra explosive, everyone would have been killed. So the bomb goes off. One man got thrown through a window, but Oof. wasn't hurt. And he just got what? up and ran away like in a cartoon.
2: Oh.
0: <laughs> uh, wow. So like he was sitting directly in front of a window. So no problem. Yeah. Bunch of people mm. were killed. And then Hitler himself oh. looked like a looked like Wiley E. Coyote after one of his bombs went off. <laughs> where like his like his like clothes were like in tattered and he oh. had like all this soot and like debris on him. But he, he wasn't significantly hurt. Damn. Phil jubel called the conspirators conspirators, told oh. them specifically, yes, the Fuhrer is alive. So the thing in the movie where <laughs> he like where Ulbricht isn't sure what he said, right? That's not correct. Ulbricht uh. knew that the Fuhrer was alive, but he didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. And we didn't do anything until he heard what else was going on analysis of the plan is they did trigger, but they didn't do a good job. And that's Uh, part of the problem. hmm. He actually is pretty critical of the conspirators. He's like, not only was the plan really, really risky to begin with, but they failed to kill Hitler. And then after failing to kill Hitler, they also failed to implement Valkyrie correctly. Mm, they were right. slow they allowed the nazis to get ahead of them didn't activate their units quickly enough didn't take the radio station in berlin allowing the nazis to broadcast hitler wasn't well,
1: maybe if Olbricht wasn't at lunch
0: but well i i think that's nigel's point is that olbrich didn't go to go to lunch oh. the movie i think sort of unfairly blames Ulbricht for it for the plot failing mm-hmm. i don't i don't really see that being backed up according to the book ah uh. It's it's more it's more like a team failure, <laughs> <laughs> and then aftermath.
2: Mm-hmm. So
0: this stole a little bit more from the movie. So Beck attempted suicide; he shot huh. himself in the head twice, but didn't die. Oh, he was later executed by the SS.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: So Stauffenberg and the people who were executed then were actually the lucky ones, because other conspirators killed themselves or were tortured by the Gestapo. Mm-hmm. Their families were initially ordered killed by Himmler under a policy of, of Sippenhaft. Quote, this man is a traitor There is blood, blood in the family, the blood of traitors, and the whole lot must be exterminated. That's talking about Stauffenberg. And when uh, they had been eliminated, Himmler said they would be cremated and their ashes mixed with sewage. So no trace of them would defile the earth. And the first to suffer would be the family of the arch traitor Stauffenberg. So then Nigel wow. has a quote where he says, quote, as frequently happened, even Hitler was slightly embarrassed by Himmler's crazy. <laughs> so, dude, when Hitler is like giving you the side eye and like the kill gesture and be like, dude, you're taking it too far. When history's greatest monster is saying that you messed up. Something's gone yeah. wrong. But of course, Himmler was actually worse. I know that worse than Hitler is like a meme. Right, Himmler actually was worse than Hitler. Like a few weeks ago, I went to New York to check out the Auschwitz exhibit at the uh-huh. Jewish Museum. And although Hitler was the guy to like order the Holocaust, Himmler, not only did he was actually it carry it out, not only did he actually carry it out, but he like volunteered to do it. Jeez. So he is a real piece of shit, even yeah. more than Hitler. So, <sighs> but, uh, but fortunately with this family thing, the Sippenhaft, it didn't, they didn't go through with that. Oh, okay. Stauffenberg's family and well, the other families yeah. were just arrested and sometimes house arrested.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So we already talked about from, okay. So the judge in red, the, yes. the one who was yelling at that guy. So I'm surprised he was in the movie. However, briefly, cause he was a footnote of a footnote. <laughs> um, so that judge's name was Roland Freisler, who Nigel describes as the ferret faced president of Nazis people's court, which I'm like, yo, why do you need to go there? Some of my best friends are ferret-faced. No need to make fun of his appearance, okay? <laughs> so Freisler, is a, he's like a piece of shit too. So not only was he a Nazi, not only was he a hanging judge where his job was basically just to sign off on executing people who dared to criticize Nazi Germany, but he was like a dick about it. That's the worst part. Hmm. He, according to Nigel, he liked to, quote, ball out the condemned with vitriolic, venomous abuse. So he would, like, yell insults at them for, like, no hmm. reason. He, sens- he sentenced to death many of the conspirators, including Stauffenberg's brother, Berthold, who was part oh. of it. Not mm-hmm. in the movie. Right. At one point, Catholic lawyer Joseph Wormer said, um, was, was, like, on trial. And Freisler said, soon you will be roasting in hell. And Wormer bowed and said, it will be a pleasure to welcome you there soon afterwards, your honor. <laughs> that being said, I like the way Han Solo said it better. It was a little clearer. Yeah. <laughs> so then on thir- on February 3rd, 1945 while working on one of the conspirators court cases, the, the guy was named Schlabrendorf. Uh the trial was interrupted by an air raid siren, so everyone scattered uh-huh. for their shelters, but Schleister uh-huh. realized he forgot the defendant's file so he went back to get it and while oh. he was getting it, the court took he... like a direct hit from a oh. Oh. a beam crashed down and crushed his skull immediately oh. So, and one one person who was there was like, I guess that was God's will or something along those <laughs> lines. And that is wow. the Disney esque death of Judge Roland Freisler. I mean, yeah. And leaving the world no poorer. So, more than 7,000 people were arrested and almost 5,000 were executed in the fallout from Valkyrie. Wow. So not all of them were connected with the plot, but a lot uh, of them were. The Gestapo also used the occasion to settle scores with other people uh, suspected of, of opposition course. sympathies, classic totalitarian regime move. One of them, one of the people executed was George Elser, who you may remember from the Microdot episode.
2: Uh, yeah. So yeah. he
0: was imprisoned the whole war and died and was killed a year before it ended. So a, a 1951 survey by the Allsback Institute Revealed that only a third of respondents had a positive opinion about the men and women who had tried unsuccessfully to overthrow the Nazi regime.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I thought was interesting. Yeah. So, however, today there are memorials to them in Germany, including a statue of a naked guy in the Bender block, which was their HQ, which I'm mm-hmm. sure is exactly what they would have wanted.
1: Yeah. So, a few more fact spy fact versus spy fiction. Apparently, so the scene with where they're listening to Valkyrie. Or the ride of the Valkyries
2: mm-hmm. he
1: is fictitious because apparently, um, actually hated Wagner. Well,
0: sure, that makes sense.
1: And also, there's some stuff that uh, Brian Singer left out of the movie because they were like super macho moments that people would have thought would because there's a moment where he's like, you know, shouts that he doesn't want morphine when he's getting you know, getting his operations,
2: uh, and he yeah, left and
1: Brian <laughs> Singer left it out because he thought it would, that people would think. That's something made up, but that's totally true. That's something that Stauffenberg did because he had the, mm. like a lot of these moments like this.
0: Real life is often stranger than fiction.
1: True, true. Go. All right, so as a reminder to our listeners, we do, do our ratings from uh, 1 to 10 Martinez, 1 being the lowest, 10 being the highest. So, Zach, what did you think?
0: I thought this was a really solid movie. I like how they they don't really make a lot of movies like this anymore, like a mid-level, bit, like a mid-budget movie like not a super blockbuster but not a super indie one anymore i was impressed with how close it was to the true story thought it was really entertaining but i will give it an eight out of 10 martinis
1: mm, all right um and i hmm i have to think about this i'm like at an 8.5 all right <clears throat> as yeah i really enjoyed i mean not just because it's uh, starring tom cruise one of my favorite actors but he is the you know he is the reason why I watched it in the first place, and then getting into the whole plot of it and just how well, well you know well made the movie was, and after listening to a lot of interviews with the director and listening to the uh, with the writer actually, Christopher McQuarrie who did two of the most recent Mission Impossible movies, and listening to his commentary as well, I was just really fascinated by just how they did. And apparently, this all started because McQuarrie. Um, had gone a t- on a tour of Berlin and he and his uh, tour guide took him to the Bender block, which is where they were all executed and mm-hmm. told him the story. And so once he found, found out about it, he's like, wow, this would make a great movie. And wrote the script, and,
0: and he's right. There's a lot of really good stories that should be made into movies. And I'm glad that this one was because mm-hmm. it's one that people should know about. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that they were not the footnote. I know I said before they were a footnote of history, but I'm glad they didn't stay that way.
1: Yeah. Alrighty. So we will be back. Um, next time. Um, we'll let you You can find out which episode we're going to be doing. If you find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at the spy, spy guys.
0: Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.
1: I've been Christian.
0: And I've been Zach.
1: And we are the SpyFi Guys, signing off. Thank you for listening to the SpyFi Guys. If you enjoyed our podcast, please be sure to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. The theme song from this podcast is Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Films, books, and television shows reviewed by our podcast are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended.
0: This is a personal podcast. Any views, statements or opinions expressed in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the participants. They do not represent those of people, institutions or organizations that the participants may or may not be associated with in a professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company or individual.
1: You can find our podcast on social media at the SpyFi Spy guys